0: today on bread for the broken with James Grizzle pastor of Calvary Chapel Galveston after this
1: i saw a vast crowd too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language okay that pretty inclu- i mean that pretty much sums up everything right everybody you know whoever has surrendered their life to jesus now of course these are people who are getting saved During the tribulation, um, the the gospel is not exclusive in the sense of it it can only be received by people of, you know, this country, of this, you know, financial bracket and all that stuff. The gospel is for everybody.
0: In today's message, Pastor James will remind you that the gospel is for everyone. Jesus left his disciples with the directive to go out into all the world and make disciples. Jesus didn't say part of the world or the part that you're familiar with. He said all the world. As Christians, it's our job to go out into all the world. Some people may be called to literally go out into all of the world as missionaries, but even if you aren't, you can still support those that have that calling. And in your own part of the world, you can evangelize. Now here's Pastor James in the Book of Revelation, chapter seven, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. We need
2: bread for the broken. Give some bread to the broken. We need hope for the hopeless. Give some hope to the hopeless. Hopeless. Bread for the broken. Broken.
1: Revelation seven. This is a this is a fascinating chapter. Um, so, Revelation 1 is where John, the Apostle John, has this encounter with Jesus and he sees Jesus, and then get, he gets invited up into the heavenly realm, so to speak, into the throne room uh, for Revelation 2 and 3. And he gets to see what's happening with the churches. And then, uh, basically, after Revelation chapter 2 and 3, and kind of 4, after 6, for sure, the church is not mentioned anymore, okay? That kind of helps us out with, with going through this next part of Scripture with chapter 7 because um, I can say this, I think, pretty dogmatically. The 144,000 that we're going to talk about is not the church, okay? So if there's any confusion on that, it's not the church. The reason why I say that is because a lot of people say that it is the church. You'll hear this number thrown out uh, quite a bit. Um, our you know, Jehovah's Witnesses like to think that they're the 144,000. They're not. Um, they're not. They actually have to readjust some of their theology on that because are you telling me only 144,000 of you guys go to heaven and the rest of you are annihilated? They're like, hmm, let's let's rethink that. Like, How do you calculate those numbers then? Um, So they're not them. The Mormons are not the 144,000. Church of Christ is not the 144,000. The 144,000 are the Jews that will be getting saved during this time period. So um, with that said, you're, we get to see kind of as the tribulation is playing out, this uh, this this tremendous event uh, that's that's just unheard of. It, it will, where we're at in history, up until this day, up until this moment when this thing will be will come to pass, we haven't witnessed anything like this revival-wise, nothing, nothing like this. So this is a really sweet little window into the tribulation time period where the gospel goes out and uh, and people end up getting saved, which is. Pretty cool. So, let's, let's start in verse one. It says, then I saw four angels. This is John. I'm talking about what he's seeing. Remember, everything in Revelation is the things that he is seeing, okay? I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. Oh, there you go, flat earthers. There you go. Proof is right there. You see, if it was round, it wouldn't have corners. We hopefully understand that this is kind of a figurative type deal, okay, that the earth is spherical. I hope you know that. Um, I hope you know it's all flat. But regardless, at the four corners of the earth, um, holding back the four winds so, that they did not, so they did not blow on the earth or on the sea or any tree. So wind is always a, a, a representation of judgment, OK? So what's, what's happening here is judgment is being held off for a moment. Well, why? Well, so that God could seal. His, his elect ones, okay? It says, it says, I saw another angel, verse two, coming up from the east, carrying the seal of, a li- of the living God, not a living God, the living God, coming up from the east. Any Anytime that's a reference of coming up from the east and you think about the east gate, which is called the beautiful gate, it's always a uh, symbolic of hope. It's hope. So this angel coming up from the east, carrying the seal of the living God, And he shouted to those four angels who had been given power to harm land and sea, wait. Don't harm the land or the sea or the trees until I have placed or we have placed the seal of God on the foreheads of his servants. Okay, So he's going to mark them all. He got 144,000 Jews. Essentially, what's happening here is this is when the light comes on uh, within the Jewish nation. 144,000, is that an exact number? Like only 144,000 of these people get saved? I don't think it's talking about an exact number. Um, If it is talking about an exact number, I believe it's talking about 144,000 greatest evangelists the the world has ever known. That doesn't mean that that's that's the only amount of Jews that get saved. I don't believe it's talking about that at all. These 144,000 are gonna be used tremendously by God in the absolute uh, end of it all. So he's going to mark them on their heads. He's going to almost like a cow, kind of, you know, cattle, all that concept. You guys know that, how that works. You take a brand, you, steal, you seal them, right? They're yours. Um, you, if you're a believer, this has already happened to you. It's already happened. You have the seal of God right on your head. You just can't see it. Uh, Ephesians chapter one verse thirteen, I believe it is, talks about how you've been sealed by God with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Chapter four, I don't know the verse. Same book, Ephesians, again talks about the fact that you have been sealed by God. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you, meaning you belong to Him. You are His. So He's going. He's going to seal these guys on their foreheads. Okay, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of craziness. The world is coming to an end. And God is, is signifying that he's, he's got a plan for these 144,000 individuals. Verse 4, and I heard how many were marked with the seal of God. 144,000 were sealed from all the tribes of Israel. So here's the tribes, at least the ones that are listed. From Judah, 12,000. Reuben, 12,000. From Gad, 12,000. Asher, 12,000, Naphtali, 12,000, Manasseh, 12,000, Simeon, 12,000, Levi, 12,000, Issachar, 12,000, Zebulun, 12,000, from Joseph, 12,000, and from Benjamin, 12,000. And you're like, wait a minute, that list sounds different than all the other 12 that I've, the other 12 list of 12 I've heard before. Um, yeah, there's, there's uh, a couple that are not on this list. Um, and so that's, the question comes up with like, well, where's Dan? Where's the tribe of Dan? Because he's like one of like the 12 brothers. So why isn't he on this list? That's a good question that I don't really know the exact answer for, but I have a kind of an idea. And it could be because Dan was Well, Dan was a horrible tribe, okay? Let's just, if you read the Old Testament, especially coming out of Egypt and going into the Promised Land, Dan had an issue with idolatry, okay? Dan had an issue with even just taking up occupancy within the Promised Land. Um, Dan had a problem with leading his brothers into idolatry as well. That could be why Dan is not on this list. Now, it doesn't mean that God is done with the tribe of Dan, okay? Okay? It doesn't mean that at all, because if you look in, um, oh, I had the reference earlier, but it's Ezekiel, I believe in chapter 40, maybe 41, um, when it talks about the, you know, everything, new heaven, new earth, and, and these tribes and all this, Dan is at the front of the list. He's at the front of the list. Um, some people think Dan is left off of this because there's a thought that the Antichrist actually comes out of the tribe of Dan. So maybe that's why he's left off. Um, there's, there's a lot of theories that are out there. Um, I, 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 I don't know. It's hard to say dogmatically of, because the, the word doesn't specifically say, Dan is not included. Oh, by the way, Dan's not on this list because of this, right? And until the word says that, you just kind of have to keep those, these issues with an open hand. Like, I don't know. Maybe maybe he, just, maybe he was excluded from this. He's not the only one that was excluded from this, Um, You you note that Manasseh is included. He's one of the sons of Joseph, uh, but Joseph had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And on some listings of the 12 tribes, it's Ephraim and Manasseh that is listed, and Joseph is not listed. So why did they list Joseph and Manasseh but not Ephraim? Could be because Manasseh maybe is a bigger tribe. I don't know. It's one, of the, it's one of these, and I'm comfortable with these issues, because uh, you know you don't have to know everything, and you're not going to we're not going to understand all of this stuff uh, until, well, you get to heaven, and then maybe as you're watching some of this stuff unfold, because we believe the church will be raptured up before any of this stuff, uh, then a lot of these open handed issues become closed fisted issues, because you know exactly why you're like, oh, Dan's not there, that's why. Oh, okay. Um, Right now, we just, we don't know. And it's not anything for us to get hung up on. We can't, you can't like, I don't want you to go home defeated because I didn't answer your question about the tribe of Dan, okay? You probably didn't even have that question when you showed up tonight. Um, I'm sure you probably did not have that. You probably were not waiting all day long to see like, what is Pastor James going to talk, what is he going to say about Dan? Nothing, because he doesn't know. He has no clue. Um, He's just not on this list. The point of this list is this. God is going to use 144,000 individuals from the tribes of Israel because he's not done with Israel. There's this notion out there that the church has somehow replaced Israel, and that's not true. It's not true. Um, The church is not, we're not into replacement theology, meaning this, we don't believe that. God has thrown away the nation of Israel, and now all you know the church has taken her place and all that good stuff. If you read Romans chapter nine, chapter ten, chapter eleven, Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is very clear on the fact that God is not done with Israel. He's not. He's not done with them in the least bit. And seeing this, that's how we know we can have we can go into chapters like this with confidence, um, understanding like this is talking about Israel. And the light's going to go on for these guys, and they will recognize the fact that the Messiah had already come, he was already here, his name is Jesus, we missed him when he showed up, we're not going to miss him the second time, so Lord, we're all yours, put your seal upon us and set us loose on this planet, because they're going to become the greatest evang- evan- you know, evangelical kind of team this planet has ever known or experienced. But there's your there's your one hundred forty four thousand. It's it's these guys, all from the tribes of Israel. Again, they're not. N- none of the, these guys aren't. They're they're not they they are not they're not the Jehovah's Witnesses. They're not the Mormons. They're not the Church of Christ. They are the Jews, the Jews. Okay. He transitions from that into, back into the heavenly scene, of like what's going on? Because we, ha- we haven't really left there. John's still there, as, even as he's seen all this stuff happen. But something fascinating takes place. It, it kind of, it, it's another, you know, kind of a, a bridge, so to speak, from this chapter to chapter 6, with when we were talking about martyrs. Verse 9, it says, After this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language Okay that pretty inclu- I mean that pretty much sums up everything right everybody you know whoever has surrendered their life to Jesus now of course these are people who are getting saved during the tribulation um, but the gospel is not exclusive in the sense of it it can only be received by people of you know this country of this you know financial bracket and all that stuff the gospel's for everybody the gospel's for everybody Nobody's excluded from this free gift from Jesus, uh, and it says a vast crowd. Uh, in fact, it's a crowd that you can't even you can't even number, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language. And again, we've we've already heard this stated before. We've already heard this when we we checked out the heavenly scene and before this group shows up. So what we know what we what we've noticed throughout the book of revelation is throughout time the gospel has been going out it hasn't gone out to everyone just yet so we under, so as far as we understand but the gospel has been doing a work in all types of people throughout all history all history and what's amazing about this, and, and even in our human efforts, and, and, and there are a lot of groups that are out there doing some tremendous things, um, you know, as far as like uh, uh, missions organizations and trying to get out there to these remote places where individuals may not have access to the Word of God and, and they want to they share the gospel with them or with uh, uh, Wycliffe uh, Bible translators. They got their Vision 2025 plan, okay? Um, back before 2000, they understood that at the rate they were going with Bible translation, it would be 2150, I think, before every spoken language would have a Bible for their language. And they were not okay with that. So they said, we're going to speed up our process, and we hope that by 2025, which is only five years from now, four and a half, technically, we will have addressed those other 2,000 languages that are spoken on this planet that haven't received a Bible yet in their own native tongue. That's crazy. That's like goosebump crazy, because that's what I got going on right now, because what we understand is that the word gets out there, the gospel preached to every man, woman, and child. Um, once the word has gotten out there, that's that's a good signal that, well, if, especially for the church, time's done. So does that mean 2025 rapture time? I don't know. I hope not. I hope it's like tomorrow. I mean, today it would be sweet. Even if it came tomorrow, I'd be pretty cool with that too. Um, but that's what an ambitious goal. 2025. There are 2,000 known languages that have not received the Bible. In their dialect, and so Wycliffe, um, those guys have been on it, and they're like, "We're gonna, we're gonna be part of the, or part of the solution, not part of the problem. We're gonna address that." And so they've been working hard to try to get um, at least some form of the, you know, the gospel to to a certain extent uh, out there to all these to these languages. Um, It's a cool thing. That's their vision. So over time, and you got tremendous human efforts going on like that, um, but you know what? Uh, The gospel is just, I mean, the Lord knows how to do, he knows how to reach people. He doesn't even need us to reach people. That's just what's so crazy about this thing. Um, You can... You know, you can be on a remote island or in a jungle somewhere and don't even know that other people exist on this planet or don't even know what is even real, you know, beyond your experience, you know, uh, of where geographically you're located. And God can show up and he can meet with you right there. He doesn't need missionaries. He doesn't need Bible translators. He uses missionaries. He uses Bible translators. He does all that stuff because he includes us in on the mission. But he can show up, just like he's been doing in the Middle East, into people's bedrooms and say, hey, I'm the real deal. Because that's what he's been doing in the Middle East for Muslims. He just shows up in their bedroom and says, hey, uh, I know you respect me as a prophet and a teacher, but let me tell you, I'm the Messiah. I'm the savior of the world. And so you've had a tremendous revival breakout in the Middle East, because even though we can't go to some of those places, Jesus can go anywhere he wants, any way he wants, anyhow he wants, in any form or fashion he wants. So a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language. They're all standing in front of the throne and before the lamb. So the throne, which is, you know, there's God Almighty, and then there's the lamb, and that's Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah and the lamb that was slain. They're standing before them. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. Uh, It's symbolic of uh, triumph, the palm branch. Victory. They're victorious. And they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. Now, remember, if Jesus is not God... This is idolatry. This is blasphemy. Because this group, as John, and John knows Jesus, and John knows God, and John is standing in heaven, and he's watching all this play out, and these people are worshiping God and worshiping Jesus as if they are one and the same, because they are one and the same. It says, and all the angels were around, standing around the throne, and around the elders and the four living beings, and those are the ones who are crying out, holy, holy, holy. And they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and worshiped God. And they sang, amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever, Amen. This all kind of sounds somewhat repetitive, right? If you're thinking about it, you're like, it seems like we've heard these same songs before. And it's like, yeah, they keep singing these songs. And they're all in unison. They all say the same thing, that God is worthy of all of these things. He's worthy of thanksgiving. He's worthy of honor. He's worthy of glory and wisdom and power and strength. This is one of the 24 elders asked me, who are these who are clothed in white and where did they come from? And it said to him, sir, uh, you are the one who knows. He's like, "Um, why are you asking me? (laughs) I would be saying the same thing. I'd be like, dude, I don't know. Like, why are you asking me? You're one of the 24 elders. I don't even know who you are, but I'm sure you know, right? Who are these ones? What's, What's significant about this is John understands that, well, these guys aren't part of the church because he would probably recognize some of them nor are they part of like the Old Testament prophets because he would have recognized some of those guys because we know that he's already recognized Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is a whole new group. And this is why we we understand that these guys are, they're individuals who get saved during the tribulation time. So the elder's like, hey, Who are these guys? Um, Who are they clothed in white? Where did they come from, sir? You're the one who knows. Then he said to me, "These are the ones who died in the great tribulation. They have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and made them white." Well, that's an interesting concept. How does blood make anything white? I got blood on me right now. Blood doesn't make anything white, right? Like it stains everything. Oh, but not the blood of Jesus. Not the blood of Jesus. Uh, The greatest stain fighter known to mankind, right? It's the blood of Jesus. You got a little stain in your life, just squirt some, you know, get some of that on you and uh, cleans you right up. Um, it's amazing. But that's who they are, the ones who've died during the tribulation. To follow Jesus has cost these guys their lives during the tribulation. Because during the tribulation. Uh, in order, you know, if you are going to be a Christ follower, you're going to follow Jesus, it will absolutely cost you your life. Absolutely. And we say, well, how could that be? Um, it doesn't seem like we're too far away from that kind of mentality right now. Because to we live in a world that we don't do real well with disagreeing with each other. Like we just don't know how to handle that anymore. Like nobody can have two opposing views anymore, because if you don't agree with me, well then I just hate you, and if I don't agree with you, well then you just hate me. And it's like wh- wh- that's where's logic? Where's reasoning? Where's just conversation? Where's understanding? <laughs> where's compassion? We are. It feels as though we're on this slippery slope. And you will get to a point, and we know this because the, the word is true. But you will get to a point where um, the the man, the biggest problem for this world, as far as they're concerned, has always been Christians. It's always been the church. It always has been.
2: Hopeless.
0: Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. It's so important to grow in your relationship with the Lord. And one of those ways is to study His Word. At Bread for the Broken, we want to help you with this by providing as many tools as possible, like our online library of teachings. If you enjoyed today's teaching from the Book of Revelation, you can hear it again on our website at breadforthebroken.com. You can also find other verse-by-verse Bible-based teachings by clicking on the Teachings tab. If you're looking for a church to call home, we'd love to have you visit us at Calvary Galveston. We meet every Sunday and Wednesday for a time of worship and Bible study. We're a laid-back church and encourage you to always come as you are. You can find directions to our church and more information at breadforthebroken.com. We'd love to connect with you too, so feel free to drop us a note in the contact form to let us know how we can be praying for you. Would you also consider partnering with us here at Bread for the Broken in prayer? Bread for the Broken is a ministry and in many ways a mission field. Would you pray for Pastor James and the team at Bread for the Broken? Pray that we would all keep our eyes fixed on our Savior and we'd be willing to follow Him no matter where He leads. Would you also pray about supporting this ministry financially? All donations can be made securely online at breadforthebroken.com and are greatly appreciated. Thanks for praying and thanks for tuning in to be with us today on Bread for the Broken.